is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Old Westbury Selena would dance to this, but she wouldn't dance with nobody because she was too cool. <laughs> That didn't even rhyme a little bit. We are it back on accurate. Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Guys, do you know what this is? This is our last show of, of 2019. Decade. Of the decade. Whoa. Wow. What a decade it's been. In this decade, Selena almost got me fired as an RA, and we put Let Your Voice Be Heard on hiatus and then brought it back. And when we brought it back, we brought it back with wonderful people like Alyssa Fuchs. What up? Mike Graciopo. <laughs> Dustin Pulsar, Patricia Valoy. Who am I forgetting, Selena? Um, about eight more people. Yo, we have forgetting. Bit, yo, we um, have so many. Jason, people. Jason Alihio, yo, Jackie, Jackie Cohen, um, Mike. I said Mike. Oh, yeah. I did say Mike. Okay, Carlisle. Yeah, was, Jasmine. Um. Jessica. Jessica. Yo, we had <laughs> yeah. a huge cast. We really did. It, it kind of felt like like seasons of love and hip hop because we just kept <laughs> shifting the cast every season. Next season we got Joe Budden. Right. No, seriously. <laughs> but no, it's literally been 10 years of Let Your Voice Be Heard and of the decade. And I'm super happy to close out the show with you guys. Um, and, you know, people like Evan, who is one of our newest correspondents. And one of the best. Oh, thank you. No, of course, of where, course. Where do I rank in your host, Lena? Very low. Okay, that's, um, fair. that's fair. I accept that. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, guys, so welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk politics, social issues, and pop culture. And we do that all from our very diverse perspectives. My name is Selena Hill on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Miss Selena Hill. And I'm happy to have Alyssa Fuchs back. At one point, she was a co-host, a permanent co-host on Let Your Voice Be Heard. And Good morning. Okay. And now she is back as a correspondent. Yes, I am. Although, you know, putting the word correspondent doesn't fit on my Twitter bio, so I just left it as co-host. Did I, you? I don't have enough characters for the word correspondent. It's too long. Gotcha. Dude, that's why I don't like Twitter. <laughs> they don't respect you like that. They don't. They really don't. You know what's trending on Twitter right now? What? The baby's meat. What's that mean? The rap of the baby. Oh, <laughs> yes. So oh. the baby's oh. nudes have le- leaked. Stanley, did you, you see You know them? what I... I no. I thought on of, purpose, I did not see them. You know what I thought of, right? The He's 5'6". And his meat is 6'10", apparently. That's what they've been saying. So right, they that, say. That, that was too much for me to you ever know. know. That's what no. Donald Trump says, too, but you know. <laughs> right, he does make the same claim. I, I was thinking of the thing Cuba Gooding Jr. said in the club when you said that. What? What do you say? You don't remember? I can't. Can't oh. repeat the whole thing now. Well, but you know, what, what, what is that for? Let's not be trash. All right. <laughs> Well, speaking of Let's Not Be Trash, Evan, did you want to introduce yourself yes, and your podcast? Yes, I, I am the co-host and co-founder of Let's Not Be Trash with my boy Stanley. And yeah, we you could find us at letsnotbetrash.com, Let's Not Be Trash with just B, not B-E, on Instagram. <laughs> and you can find me at underscore Mastronardi. And yeah, I'm always excited to get the call on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Yes, so, and Stanley, last and certainly not least, did you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? You guys know who this is. This is Stanley Fitch, your favorite PC on the engineers. I get it wrong all the time now. Your favorite engineer on the PC ones and twos. You can find me on Twitter at Stanford. You can find me on IG at Stanford. You can find me on Snapchat at Swindle. Just kidding, I actually don't know what my name is on Snapchat anymore. But you can find me in all those places, and I'm always happy to talk to you, unless I'm not also currently considering deleting my face. Facebook. So that's where we are today. Wow. Well, speaking of Facebook, um, yeah, so we have a great show lined up. We're going to be talking about 
the last decade, everything in our political lives and things have been going on socially, but also our personal lives. And that's why Stanley brought up uh, some of the memories and nostalgia of Let Your Voice Be Heard, because we've been going strong for 10 years. If you don't, well, we had like a one year hiatus, so we technically yeah. we relaunched in 2011. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, still, we've been here for the most part of the decade. And, you know, we want to just thank you guys for sticking with us and supporting us for all of these years on the topics and the causes that we talk about. And um, you know, let you know why not throw it back and reminisce a little bit. You know what? We need to play that song. Reminisce on the time. Oh, what? Who sings that song? I don't know, Stanley. The it's how, an old how one. Am I supposed to? Find you know, it? y'all know the song. Reminisce. No, no, no one knows the song, Selena. Everyone knows that song. Hello, it's from like everyone. 92. Everyone, do you know the song? Do you? Do you call, call, the call, song? call us if you know the I song. Two one two six five zero six nine zero three. We'll be yeah. waiting. We'll be waiting. About, do you remember the time? No, I wasn't talking about do no or or a time to remember. And you know what? On this commercial break, I'm gonna find the song. And then we're probably going to play it. And also, we're going to be talking about the impeachment, too, guys. So, yeah, we're ending 2019 with the president. Probably not so, probably not going to get impeached. But, but in, we're going to talk about it. Until then, let's enjoy the Black National Anthem for SUNY Old sure. Westbury. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I want that booze. Yo, when this song came out, by the way, yeah. this is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. One of my best friends, Claude LaRoche, said this song is about the Illuminati, and she's <laughs> sacrificing herself in the video. And I was like, you're an idiot. And then he sent me to a website, which broke the whole thing down, and I was like, you're an idiot. Then the next day, he tried to take me to the website, and the website was down. And he was like, see? They're trying to stop you oh from telling the truth. Well, can I just say, back in 2010, I also believed in the Illuminati conspiracies. D- does you mean still do? No, I don't. I no longer <laughs> believe Prove in it. that, Stanley. But anyway, so we're back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. Shout out to everyone who's listening via podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere else that they get their podcasts. So we're kicking off the show before we go back into the 10-year challenge and talk about some of the nostalgia of the last 10 years. We need to talk about this impeachment. So apparently on last Wednesday, a few days ago, uh, the House voted to impeach President Trump. Now it is up to Nancy Pelosi. She said that she's still uh, deliberating on if and when she's going to send the two articles of impeachment to the Senate. She mm-hmm. wants to make sure that she has full support and that th- that uh, President Trump will have a fair trial and, um, you know, and move forward with the impeachment. So, you know, my question to you guys is, you know, Alyssa, were you expecting this to happen? Were you rejoicing when it happened? And what does this really mean? I mean, look, I'm, I'm not rejoicing because, number one, it's a sad thing when a president gets impeached. You know, I know people are happy about it because they don't like Donald Trump. But ultimately, what it means is that we're having a terrible constitutional issue in our country where the president is being accused of serious, serious crimes and misconduct. Um, but and, and the other reason why I'm not rejoicing rejoicing is because nothing's going to happen um, because at the end of the day impeachment is a political process it's not really it, it's a legal process but it's it's really a political process and the impeachment only means he's been charged quote unquote with these crimes and it's going to go over to the senate and as you heard from mitch mcconnell last week he's not an impartial juror he's coordinating with the white house he's coming to the president's defense which is essentially to say that he's not going to act as an impartial juror he's going to defend the president and ultimately they don't have the votes to remove the president or at least they don't think they do and so this whole thing is really going to end in a big fat nothing burger well 
Good points, Alyssa. But I think one thing may actually happen. Evan, it looks like this impeachment is rallying Trump's base. In fact, since the impeachment proceedings began, the Republican National Committee has seen over 600,000 yeah. new donors. And the campaign and the RNC raised $10 million in small donations in just 48 hours during the impeachment week. Of course it's not, but it's <laughs> Alyssa says nothing's going to happen. I say something is happening on the Republican base. What do you think about that? Well, I, I, you mean nothing's going to happen that it's not going to be removed, right? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So there's two elements here. There's like the constitutional element and then there's the political element. Exactly. So constitutionally, I mean, if you're not going to impeach someone for this, then when? So I definitely think it is the duty based on his actions to impeach him. Now, politically, it's not going to help anybody. The best thing that can happen is that this process is wrapped up with enough time before the election. Because what may happen, remember Mitch McConnell starred, stalled Merrick Garland for an entire year and we never got that Supreme Court justice. I will not be surprised if he stalls this too with uh, Nancy Pelosi up until it's like right up until the election. So then when he likely will get exonerated by the Senate, it will even motivate his base more and give him more momentum. So the closer this is to the election, the worse it is politically for Donald Trump, so, for, for us, for us, the better for Donald Trump. So do you think, Stanley, that Nancy Pelosi waited too long because we are, you know, inching towards the, you know, we're literally almost in 2020. We're getting closer to the election and it seems like it's only rallying his base. Should we have impeached him back when the Robert Mueller report came out? No, it doesn't matter. This is probably the most viable time they've had to put legitimate impeachment proceedings this is the first time period where you had over 50 percent of the u.s population that being being polled saying that he should be impeached and you still have that there was no perfect time republicans were never going to do the right thing this is not about that um but i do have a question for Alyssa about this that i heard that since once a president has been impeached they cannot be pardoned for anything is that true because if that's the case then like i don't care if republicans don't let this go through if Trump can't be pardoned anymore and he can really get in trouble when he leaves the White House, I'm for it. I mean, Trump could always be pardoned by another president. Yeah. So even if he's impeached? Even if he's impeached. Uh, by okay. a president, yes. Right. So if Trump gets impeached and then he gets removed and then he's charged by the Department of Justice, and this is all big ifs, right? And yeah. then he's charged by the Department of Justice with actual crimes. Um, or even if, you know, then he could be pardoned by a, a president, or the, next, the next president who has the pardon power. Now, there's one caveat to that, which is if he is charged with crimes under state law. So, for example, if Cy Vance in Manhattan mm -hmm. charges him with crimes, then right. theoretically the only person who could pardon him if he was convicted of those crimes would be the governor, which is right now Andrew Cuomo, although there's some question as to whether or not he actually could be charged in New York because of the way New York's double jeopardy law is written. You might have just heard last week the charges were dropped against Paul Manafort in New York because one of the courts, the high court in New York, ruled that those charges cannot be brought under the currently existing double jeopardy yeah. law that exists. So yeah, we're going to change those laws this session, so <laughs> Exactly. might not help Trump much longer. Mm. So, I, so, Stanley, you know, as we wrap this up, next steps, what do you see happening moving forward? I think the next steps are, like, we know what the Republicans are going to do. I think it's really important to just be letting, educating folks in a way that's, like, digestible and real so that they understand what's happening or why Trump is such a problem. Um, I saw a really good tweet that um, we shared on our IG page. Thanks, mm -hmm. Mariah. You live for that. Where um, they, they were explaining the why the impeachment process was so bad. And it was like, imagine... You caught your boyfriend cheating, and in order to break up with him, you had to convince his five best friends, yep. the guys who were cheating with him, to like allow you to break up. 
that's what we're facing right now with the Republican Party in the Senate. Mm. So folks need to understand what's going on. Those are really good ways you can learn about the process. And if you guys have any questions, concerns, or curse words, give us a call at 212-650-6903. Well, you know, speaking of, you know, things that were maybe shocking to some or... The baby's meat. Well, I actually wasn't <laughs> going to go back to the vape, but since you keep harboring on the baby's leaked nudes, I mean, Steph Curry's nudes also leaked a few days ago, and people were actively seeking those out. Well, but I heard Are Aisha, you people, Selena? I know. I heard Ayesha Curry was mad that her, le- her nudes didn't leak, and everyone was paying attention to Steph. <laughs> Wait, but, it, speaking of the 10-year challenge, I, I know we're not there yet, but wasn't it about, I don't know, five, six years ago when Jennifer Lawrence and all those other nudes mm. leaked? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that was, that was happening. awful. That was the fappening. Awful. I remember right, that. that was the fappening. Yeah. Leaked. It was like they were it, exposed. They were hacked. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were hacked. They were hacked from the cloud. It's, it was, it's terrible. It was, hard. it was definitely terrible. And speaking of things that's terrible, I wanted to talk about Carol Sanchez. So she's the 16-year-old yeah. uh, young woman who staged her kidnapping in the Bronx. Stanley's over there chuckling. I, I mean, was coughing. It, no, <laughs> is this a Gen Z thing? I mean, what what is what did you guys think I about mean, this? I mean, kids been getting themselves kidnapped for fake for years. Y'all just late to the game. <laughs> this happened all the time in East New York. Really, I'm Stanley? I'm not surprised by this. I mean, I mean, I am surprised, and it's, it's, it's things because there are black girls getting kidnapped and trafficked all over this country, yep. and we're not taking it seriously enough. But when like when it when it came when when it says like when she went missing and I watched the video I thought something was off. Then when she returned her to the same exact place, I was like, uh oh, this can't be good. But you have to ask yourself what's going on in that girl's home that she would want to stage a kidnapping. You know, it's she deeper. has Caribbean parents and a crip boyfriend. It's I know like, exactly it's, what's it's deeper than yeah. Just- it it is. Yeah. Nah. I agree with you. I, I gotta disagree here. She has a twenty three year old crip boyfriend. And her parents were probably like, you're not going to be hanging out with these disrespectful people. You're not going to be hanging out with this guy who's too old for you. We're sending you to Honduras. And she was like, I'm not going to Honduras. So she went to her 23-year-old crip boyfriend, who she should not be dating because he's 23 years old. And he was like, I got a plan. (laughs) Stage of kidnapping? Look, I'll say this about... This was next level. I I get it. There are reports saying that her mother was restrictive. Look, I also grew up in a, a somewhat restrictive household. I would have never thought of this. And look, she's 16. Look, in another year and a half, you'll be out, you know, going to college and living your own life. You'll you'll basically be an adult. Just just come on. Like, just it's a year and a half more or two years. When I was 16, the only thing I was staging was how I was going to sneak out of the house and get back in without getting caught. (laughs) But I was definitely not staging a uh, how am I going to disappear for the next, I don't know, little bit kind of thing. If I would have staged a kidnap, my dad would have been like, let him go. (laughs) Less bills for me. I don't know. I, I'm kind of with the list on this one. I, I just don't know. I can't I can't say exactly what the family dynamic is. We don't know if there's there's abuse going on. We don't know if we don't she sending her back to Honduras, you know, America definitely has problems, but Honduras is one of the most violent countries in South America. That's true. So I don't know what's back for her in Honduras. I don't know if it's better than what's here. I don't know the whole story. I definitely know this wasn't the way to go about it, no doubt. And this man actually pushed her own mother. In order to put her in, so that's well, they wild. have to make it look real. Still, that is wild disrespect. Yeah, she had a plan out. <laughs> look, At 16, she had a little blueprint. She no, I did not. But, but I just want to add so, the side note to this. Yes, continue. The, the side note to this was, and, and Jumani Williams brought this up, that it took 12 hours for this Amber Alert mm. to be reached. And that is not usually the case. It's usually between a half an hour and an hour. Right. So. He, of course, brings up, is this because it's a black girl as opposed to another girl that it's actually going to take this long? 
because 12 hours is a ridiculous amount of time to release an Amber Alert. Yep. I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, you can't dismiss the racial dynamic. I 100% agree there that, you know, she's a young black girl. And, of course, we don't get the same type of attention. But I will say that the fact that so many celebrities and people were reposting and looking for this girl, they were plastering up her poster all over the Bronx. People like Charlemagne the God were speaking out. And then to find out it was a one big hoax, it, it just doesn't. It, we already have it hard as young black girls mm-hmm. getting the attention deserved when it comes to mm-hmm. situations like this and sex trafficking. Trafficking, mm-hmm. but it, I just I, and I get it. She's 16, so she can't think that far ahead. But it just makes it worse. But this no, is, it doesn't. Uh, no one cares about black girls anyway. Whether she did this or not, that was not going to change anything. Yeah, that, that's just mm-hmm. the, like we live in a racist world, and black women are black, and they're also women, which makes the world care about them that much less. They're at the bottom of the totem pole. What this young lady did was dumb, but she's yeah. 16, and 16 year olds are dumb. So yeah, I'm they not are, surprised. Sure. We shouldn't. We shouldn't put. I'm not saying that you're doing this, but we shouldn't put any other fault about the way that we treat black women or we don't look mm. at their their crises on this girl. And we should know that the fact of the matter is, we have to change the way that we value black women and girls in this country. Period. Yeah. I mean, a few years ago, there was a Muslim girl who faked a um, attack on a train. Do you Do you remember that? Yeah. So she. She went to the NYPD. She said she was attacked by a bunch of white people on train. And ultimately, it was staged. And it also had to do with a boyfriend. And it also had to do with restrictive parents. So, again, I'm not just fine this. But but first of all, this is going to happen every so often. People of all backgrounds are going to have someone who does this. Like Stanley said, the problem is when suddenly that is extrapolated to entire communities of color. Whereas, like, we we had this talk uh, and a related topic with what happened with Darius. It's like the leeway just is not the same yeah. with a person of color as when it is with a white person. I, I, I will say it's actually in some ways, on the, to your point, shocking that she was actually not charged with falsely reporting a crime or with some other crime due to the fact that there was resources, serious law enforcement resources and money expended to look for her. And in many of those situations, you often would see a black person being charged with a crime for that. So, I'm glad you know, I'm glad that they yeah, decided ultimately not to charge her. Um, but we, we have seen that kind of thing before happen. And so that really should be the institutional thing that we're talking about in terms of, uh, you know, not yeah. just what your point is, but how black people are treated differently it, it, by the criminal justice Speaking system. of black people, Kim Kardashian is black now. Did you guys know about that? I just saw that on your page. Yeah, yeah. she did a photo shoot, and apparently she's a brown-skinned woman, and, you know... So surprise, is surprise. that even her? It yes. really is. It, it has been confirmed that that's her because I question it as well. So Amanda Seals put out a, a video just describing every single thought and mood I had when I saw this. I mean, the Kardashians have been... Uh, garbage human beings forever. Not only have they garbage. been... No, absolutely. Not only have they been garbage, but they've been appropriating black women's bodies and commodifying for years on end and profiting and exploiting. And again, this is just an example of that. I'm shocked that no one around her, none. I mean, she has black people in her family. She, like who? Her husband. I mean, I mean, oh, oh, we're not. Well, you know like, what? You're no, actually no one her husband this. thinks he's a white man. But <laughs> him, you know what's crazy? Kanye might divorce her now because she's black woman. You know, Kanye uh, don't like black women. Well, no, I don't know about that. But mm-hmm. I'm just trying to say, no one around her was like Kim. You trying to look and, and appear as a black woman is no longer a good idea. Don't put on blackface. Not no longer it was never a good idea. Thank period. You, End of story. No questions asked yeah, further. Man. Yeah, she, she doesn't have those type of advisors with her fame it's just an echo and her husband's is uncle tom who thinks that white people loving him is how he's arrived at life and is doing well for himself 
So yeah, Kim you know, I mean, not for nothing. At least Rachel Dolezal was trying to do work for the black community. <laughs> yeah, I. Well, after all uh, that you I did, dragging her, Stanley. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll take her. <laughs> if it. we could, right? Exactly. If we could right. trade, Rachel, you're Jeez. back. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it was. Uh, it's a disgrace, and I'm just like over it and sick of it. And speaking of that, and I know we have to go to break, but Camila, um, Cabela, Camilo Canillo, Camila Caballo. Camila Caballo. Also, so uh, apparently a few years ago she had a, a Tumblr account and she was putting up very racist means and sentiment mm. using the N-word with the ER, even calling the fellow ER. Yeah, the hard ER, even calling a fellow bandmate um Normani. Normani the N-word. And Obama. But now right but now she's asking for forgiveness. She said, I did this when I was what, I think 16. 15. Yeah, she was a teenager. I nah. mean, does she deserve to be forgiven? She wouldn't even say what she did wrong. And, like, one of the reasons she left Fifth Harmony was because she was racist and problematic. I, no. What, why Why do you deserve forgiveness for something? You wouldn't even acknowledge exactly what you did, and you've had zero accountability. You know, I'm tired. Of, all right, let me get it, let me get out of my bag. Alyssa, hold it, it down for me. At, at 15 years old, you should be dumb enough to stage your own kidnapping and smart enough to know that if you're not black, you shouldn't say the N-word. Although Hello, you, somebody. You know that how I feel. I don't think anybody should say it, but that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah well, I, look, she's canceled in my book. Actually, I never really liked her anyway. Same. So it is what it is. On that, we do have to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're doing our own personal 10-gear challenge on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Well, hold on, guys. This is also our intern's last show. And this song right here, dedicated to you, Mariah. And you're too young to appreciate this song. That's why I got it on. Because the love that you gave that we made wasn't able to make it enough for you to make I turned it down so we don't lose Facebook Live. <laughs> I want to celebrate 2019, but that baby is over. Selena's clapping like a church beat, because you know she wants some gospel. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, Evan Mastronardi, and of course, the immaculate Alyssa Fuchs. And before I forget to mention it, our wonderful, our brilliant, our fire Mariah intern is on her last day, and we love her and we're going to miss sir selena take it away from me before i start mumbling belligerently yeah so i mean <laughs> it's the 10-year challenge and you know stanley when you were thinking about this segment and you brought it up mm -hmm. you had so many thoughts about yeah. the 10 years the past 10 years tell us what you were thinking yeah so yes this was all my idea and only my idea only i just want to point that out um but no so we're closing out the year 2019 and it kind of hit me a couple of days ago we're closing a decade. This has been like a, a big 10 years. And it's pretty interesting because a lot of the people that I spent a decade with, I'm ending it with. Um, I want to say like I have spent most of my decade and even longer than that with Selena. And I'm really happy I'm still here with her now. But it got me reflecting on a lot of things. The person that I was in 2010, um, freshly graduated from SUNY Old West Bay, 23 years old, not really sure what he wanted to do. Um, a very different political analysis. And where we were as a show, the show didn't exist again yet. We had left it in college, and, like, we kind of both had a vacuum in our lives. And I started thinking about all the people we've had on the show, people who played a big role. Alyssa's been with us for, I think, almost seven years. Yep. And 
we're all in different parts in our lives now as 2020 comes in. And as Alyssa and both Jackie um, aren't on the show as much as they used to be anymore, we thought this would be a good opportunity to just kind of reflect as a team about the show, ourselves, and just the world at large. Yep. So, um, you know, we're really happy to have Evan here to have this conversation with us, and we have a surprise caller for you but um, as well. But this is what it is, the 10-year challenge, Let Your Voice Be Heard. We first started um, our show here at WATR in 2012. Yeah. I still remember that. It was Go ahead, Selena. Yeah, no, it was 2012, and we started here at, you know, WATR. And I wanted to just kick things off by asking, where was everyone back then in, like, 2010-ish, right, when we first started this decade? Where did you stand politically, and how have your political views evolved since then? you're looking me deeply into my eyes. I guess I'll answer the question first. You know where I was in 2010. I was a center-right Democrat. I was a neoliberal who, like, supported Obama and loved Obama but was really into respectability politics. I thought you shouldn't say the N-word. I thought black people should pull their pants up. And I was trying very hard to build myself up in a way that white people would find me approved, like, approved, like, approving. White people would approve Approvable. of Approvable. No, yeah, is that even you. a word? No, it's, so. it's probably not. That's right. We're making words up and now. Also, it's I 2020. Wanted, and also, I wanted to run for office, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. You remember that, Selena? I do. You want, didn't you want to run for mayor at one point? Um, Not president. Oh, oh president. Yes, yeah. you were ambitious. Yeah, right? No, no more ambition over here, baby. Um, I was also <laughs> very religious. That's not true. Oh, your, my God, you your, were. Your <laughs> ambition has just changed. I know, I know. There we go. Thank you, Alyssa. <laughs> I was very religious. I was a Christian. Oh, man, that was a weird time. But, yeah, um, I was living in South Ozone Park, Queens with my friend Mikey and Zach. Those are some good times. Selena, how about you? Yeah, so in 2010, I was way more optimistic about politics and the direction of this country. Uh, remember, fair. it was Bar- uh, Barack Obama's. He was still in his, um, his second year in office at that point. Yeah. Yeah, because he oh, started. He was elected yeah, yeah, yeah. 2008, it started was, 2009. Right. And actually, in 2010 is the year he got trounced in the midterms. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. But still, it just felt, you know, he was the president of hope, stability, uh, constitutionality. Like, he meant and represented everything that is good about this country. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was around and could say that I helped elect the first mm-hmm. black president into office meant so much to me on an emotional level, like deeper than politics. Mm-hmm. I want to say back in 2010, I was also way more radical. Um, I, I think that, y- you know, things kind of shifted for me. Stanley and I had the opposite. He was more center right of a of a, of a Democrat. Um, me, I was way more progressive. Like, I'm someone who de- at this point defends, you know, Jay-Z and the NFL, NFL deal. Back <sighs> then, in um, 2010, 10. Remember, this, you know, Occupy Wall Street was still fresh in our mind. No, it didn't even happen yet. It happened in 2011. Yeah, yeah. and that was it part of the things in- that radicalized me. Right, right. So I did want to get there. You're right. It happened in 2011, but this was also still under Barack Obama's uh, first term as president. And, you know, Bro- Occupy Wall Street also helped me become more radical when it came to capitalism it really shed a light and a spotlight on like the evils of it and the detriment of it and that's why i think i was way more left than maybe i am on certain things now 
Uh, see, and I think I'm more left now than I was back in 2010. But actually, so in 2010, I was in my second year of law school. I wasn't exactly sure um, what I wanted to do yet or where I was going to end up now. I didn't know any of you yet. In yeah. fact, I met Stanley in 2013. I was looking back at my emails. The first show of Let Your Voice Be Heard that I ever did was in June of 2013. Um, but what I remember the most about 2010 was the midterm elections. Um, Barack Obama had won, obviously, in 2008. Democrats were feeling really good. We really thought we were going to be moving the country in the direction that we wanted to be going. And then in 2010, you had the rise of the Tea Party. Mm -hmm. Um, And you had all these people come out in the first backlash to the 2008 Obama election. Um, And as I mentioned before, he absolutely got trounced in the midterms. Democrats lost the House. They lost the Senate. Um, And after that, really, we spent the next, well, Uh, until 2016 when Barack Obama left office dealing with complete obstruction by the Republican Party. Um, And after the Affordable Care Act was passed, basically Obama was not able to get anything done because of this obstruction. And that all really started in 2010. Where was everyone else? I want to get to you, Evan, obviously, but I want our listeners like call in and leave us comments on Facebook Live about where you were 10 years ago politically, if you even had a political analysis. Go ahead, Evan. Yes, and I think I was a little bit like, I wouldn't say I was center-right, but I was definitely more centrist. But it was also due to like just me learning about like what it meant to be centrist, what it meant to be more radical and more left, because it seemed like kind of the status quo at the time for me to be more centrist. Because the other thing, the other reason why is that What was difficult for me that I was able to get by the end of the decade is when I had opinions, I really kept them to myself. When I had political opinions, I felt nobody's going to want to hear it. Who cares? I didn't. I thought it wasn't going to make an impact. But like year after year, I was I was realizing, well, we all each of us has a very unique perspective and there's a loss if you don't share it. Because maybe your perspective is something that as long as one person didn't hear it and they learned from it, Mm -hmm. that it's worth it to share it. So I think that I definitely became more liberal, but it was more it was less because of like really instilled values as me just thinking about what those positions meant and and educating myself, having more personal experiences and then ultimately deciding that we all have a voice. We all should share our voice because you never know if your perspective is nuanced enough to like, you know, affect somebody. That's a really good comment, Evan. Yeah. Thank you. And, like, it's funny. So we're getting some comments here. I got a comment from Sam Law. She says, I was a Republican t- 10 years ago, and now I'm a libertarian. I, I, I wish I had more time to find out how she had that transformation, which I don't think is much of a transformation with today's, like, Republican libertarian right. parties. But, like, I want to dig in with that with her one day. So we'll do that one day, Sam. But um, that's really interesting to know. It's funny because, Selena, you haven't necessarily moved to the right. No, I didn't say I did. Yeah. Uh-uh. But like you know, like you're definitely not as like radical, into, yeah, yeah, as leftist, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we we all have had some kind of change. So, what political or social movement within the last decade impacted the way you of your thinking? So, I'm, I'm not gonna go to you first, Lena. This time, I'm gonna go to Alyssa first. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I actually, I thought I I I, I want to say I thought long and hard about this question, but the truth is, I didn't have to. As soon as I saw this question, I knew right away what really changed, and that was Eric Garner getting killed. Mm. Um, I mean, I always knew that I really wanted to do criminal justice work. Uh, when I was in my first year of law school, I interned at the public defender's office right here in Harlem, and in my second year of law school, which was 2010, yeah. I interned at the Legal Aid Society. But when Eric 
Rick Garner died, um, that's what really, really changed things. I mean, Occupy Wall Street sort of was the beginning of that and me yeah. really reckoning with capitalism and uh, taxation and why there was so many, um, you know, millionaires and billionaires in the country and why so many of us had so little and so few people had so much. Um, but when Eric Garner died, that was really the catalyst for me into becoming more radicalized, becoming more involved in going out to street protest, um, becoming more involved in civil rights work. Um, and that obviously set me on the trajectory for where I am now in my life. Yeah. And Evan, what about you? Um, I'd say for me, it was Trayvon Martin. Mm. I think that that really affected me. I always knew um, that there were many issues with the police. I wouldn't say I was one of those people who was like, oh, it's just a few bad apples. I, I realized it was a systemic issue, but I part of me always felt like it's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, like, you know, support the police to some extent. Yeah. And, of course, there are some officers that definitely do a great job, like Edwin Raymond, who you've had on this show. But I felt like there were too many people who weren't speaking up about this child who was killed um, senselessly. And... I felt that was when I started saying, I have to find a voice, too. You know, I'm just one person, but I want to be one person that, you know, advocates for this man's humanity. And then going forward, I realized that that's a really important thing, uh, value to hold. And I think going forward after that, I realized, yeah, every time someone's humanity is at risk, um, especially based on things like racism, police brutality, I should say something. Yeah, Selena? No, I mean, it's pretty much the same. I mean, it was first, it was Occupy Wall Street in 2011. And, you know, Stanley and I were both, uh, Stanley, I know we were, were part of one of, like, the founding members, but I had a chance to go down there a few different times uh, and protest. But then in 2012, when Trayvon Martin died, that pretty much catapulted or, or created who I have become today. Yeah. Um, I have I was following story when it was still a local news story yeah. in Florida. And we were doing Light Your Voice Be Heard, and the team didn't want to cover this story. No, Stanley didn't want to cover the story. Dustin so either. Fight, Dustin, it I was mean, the team. You And because you guys have the loudest voices, yeah. you guys were the team. Yeah. And, yeah, Stanley, so again, back to Stanley's point, he, you were way more conservative back then, and you didn't really see, I guess, the the injustice in this story. Um, nonetheless, we ended up uh, covering the story, and it, it, it exploded into national discourse and really um, triggered the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so I want to get to a comment. Alyssa, do you want to read the comment we saw on Facebook Live? Yes. Yeah, so Donnell says social media shifted the narrative from regular corporate news. And I think that's right. Another big thing that I was thinking of in terms of what changed me politically from then to now um, was in 2010, I didn't really even I had Facebook, but it was before like the pages and the groups and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and in 2012 is when I started my page politically preposterous. And I started that in connection with the fact that I had just graduated law school and I was still looking for a job. I didn't have a lot going on. Um, and I also started that in connection with the fact that Mitt Romney was running against uh, Barack Obama for yeah. the election. I really wanted to be involved in some way. And because of Politically Preposterous is how I actually met Stanley. Yeah. And because of meeting Stanley, I met Selena. And that's why I'm here on this show today. So um, I do think that social media, it wasn't just a shift in the narrative from social media to corporate news, but it also was a shift in the way social media was used to connect with people from uh, when it first really started and people were using it to connect with their college roommates oh, and yeah. people you know that they were going to school with to really getting to talk to people about politics across the spectrum yeah. and both uh you know throughout the country and the world 
Yeah, that's a really good point, guys. And if you want to call in with a question or a comment, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that's 212-650-6903. We do have to go on a quick break, but before we do, I just want to share mine. Um, well, first of all, I was not a, a, co- a founding father or a co-founder of the um, Occupy Wall Street. I was there pretty early um, in the process. Um, thanks. Shout out to Nightperk, um, former executive director Rebecca um, Weber, who encouraged me to go to Zuccotti Park right before it blew up. But Trayvon Martin really was the thing that changed everything for me. And I want to thank Selena for fighting to get that topic covered. Because at that point, I was still pro-cop and I thought that the system worked fairly. And it didn't. So, guys, this is another 2010s era song. This is Usher. Oh, my God. Maybe I can break you down. There's so many ways to love you. Got me like, oh, my God. I'm so in love. I found you finally. You make me want to say, oh, 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 oh. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. We're back real fast, weren't we? We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs, Selena Hill. Evan Mastronardi, and of course, Spire Mariah, the littlest intern of all of this time. And we are having a show where we just reminisce on the last 10 years, the 10-year challenge. We talked about where we were politically in 2010. We talked about the political or social movement that impacted us and shifted our thinking during that time period. Uh, me, Evan, and Selena said Trayvon Martin. Alyssa says Eric Garner. Which was in 2014. Which was in 2014, yes. That feels like it was just yesterday. No. It's so well, crazy. I mean, it was just yesterday that Daniel Pantaleo finally got fired. So Yeah, and he's suing to get back yeah and he'll, he'll win. win yeah so i want to switch this up and this one is really special to me this next question what were your goals in 2010 and did you accomplish them selena um yeah so in 2010 i just wanted to be a working paid journalist <laughs> i wanted to work at cnn um i would say yeah I, I accomplished that i became a working journalist um and after i blew my first interview at cnn i actually years later i got called in um, for another uh, interview and actually got a job as a freelancer, which I turned down. So, um, oh, not only that, but I wanted to run my own media company. So in, you know, 2010, 10 years ago, I was like 21, 22, you know, definitely as ambitious as Stanley, who wanted to be president. And I definitely wanted to also run a company that would be in competition literally with CNN or MSNBC in the fact that it would offer an alternative perspective um, for for news and commentary commentary that was you know more representative of me as a young black woman. Mm. So those were the goals that I had. Nice, Alyssa. What about you? Um. So yeah, in 2010, I wanted to graduate from law school and pass the bar, which I did. Um. And I wanted to be a successful lawyer, which I have. For the most part, I would say become. Um, although the one difference is back then, I really wanted to be a public defender. That did not work out. But as they say, when one door shuts, other doors open. And uh, even though that door shut on me, uh, many other doors open. And I actually have a job now that I really like doing civil rights work and still doing some criminal defense and uh, getting to hold law enforcement accountable. So um, it all sort of worked out. Uh, the the what, What's the phrase for that? Um, the cookie crumbled the way it was supposed to crumble. I don't know. Nice. Um, I think I'm mixing metaphors over here. Evan, what about you? Um, I I definitely wanted to be known for some sort of something creative. And I felt like my my problem was always like isolating where to start because I have so many interests. But 
ultimately, I did go with the thing that um, I was best at doing right now, which is writing. Mm -hmm. And I wanted some of my writing to be known, especially after that shift in my political opinion, mainly to be more active and not just internalize my views. And I feel like to some extent, you know, let's not be trash. I mean, we're not exactly rolling in the guap yet. We're not exactly too famous. But we still have something that people appreciate. And we started our own little movement. And I think to some extent, like, that is a goal that I achieved. Yeah. So we have a special caller on the line. I want to shout out Jackie Coven. Jackie, say hello to the folks on the show. What's up, Jackie? How's it going, guys? We're doing pretty good so far. How are you, Jackie? Good. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. So, Jackie, I want to ask you a question. This is perfect timing, actually. So this is our 10-year challenge, reflecting over the last 10 years. Um, so, like, obviously, you've gone from being, like, a full-time co-host to a correspondent who comes in when she can, like like Alyssa. Um, what impact has Let Your Voice Be Heard had on you over the last 10 years? Oh, my God. It, it's, I mean, like, I I was listening to Let Your Voice Be Heard years before I was even on the show. Um, when I, I Stanley, you and I met in 2011, if you can believe that. So we've known each other now for almost a decade. And I remember early on you telling us about the show when you guys were um, recording it out on Long Island. So I've been listening to the show for years. I mean, like, you know, I think first and foremost, I have, um, it provided three very, very close lifelong friendships with you, Stan, with Selena and with Alyssa. Um, that I'm very grateful for. I mean, when we, when I started coming on the show, I never thought in my life that like, you know, years from then, I, the three of you would be making a toast at my wedding. So there, that's first and foremost. Um, but neither did Selena. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, but I think, you know, even more than that, like when we started the show, I don't think I realized how important and necessary it was to have the kind of space to just like talk right to talk as friends to talk as people that are interested in politics about what's going on and how issues that we're facing each day impact us in our daily lives and in our work and i think as you know now in 2019 i mean the world is such a different place than it was when i started um my started my time on the show and i think that it's more valuable than ever to have that kind of discourse and to have the space where people can safely just like discuss ideas and thoughts and disagree in a way that's like you know productive and respectful um and i i really value the time that i had on the show and i think that spaces like let your voice be heard in providing you know room for discourse is really important yeah no and you know jack it's so good to hear from you your your voice is so reminiscing yeah. um thanks for calling in and it's so funny that you say that because i remember one of the biggest shows and the most impactful shows that we had was the a few days after charlottesville um mm-hmm. after that rally and i remember you distinctly saying we are the best show to talk about this because we all know that the white supremacists were tar- targeting the jewish community and uh, always you know the black community and at right. that time with us being black and jewish voices and you know and also um representing queer voices as well it was like there was a collective and we could speak authentically on how this was impacting us in real time and we weren't seeing that frankly in mainstream media or anywhere else honestly right we i I always value the fact that we weren't trying to be pundits we're never trying to like mirror msnbc or cnn like we keep it real and our you know we lend our voices to very real problems and I always really appreciated our callers and the feedback we got on Facebook Live and, and through social media because people were able to connect these major news stories to what was happening in their everyday life. Jackie, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you for all the time and energy you put into the show, and we will talk to you soon. 
Likewise. I love and miss you guys, and I'll see you soon. See you All soon. right. Bye, Jackie. Bye, Jackie. All right. So, Selena, I want to throw this to you as the founder of Let Your Voice Be Heard, who came up with the idea in 2005, 2006, and now we're wow. here in 2019. And you're still going strong, Selena. This is like you built this, and all these people have been impacted by something you came up with when you were a 19-year-old college sophomore. What impact has Let Your Voice Be Heard had on you over the last 10 years? Well, first of all, <laughs> thank you, Stanley. But obviously, you know, you, Stanley, as the most instrumental voice in Let Your Voice Be Heard and the longest-serving um, co-host here, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've been extremely impactful. People like Alyssa, you know, who came in in, what, 2014? 2013. 2013. And really shaped the voice and the brand. And, you know, Jackie as well. I mean, I and then also, you know, obviously we still have, you know, Evan and our article correspondents. Like, this is always been a team effort. It's always been collaborative. I've always listened first and tried to figure out what it is and what would be best for us. Um, I would say it feels good to know that we're still doing like we still have the core mission at hand which mm-hmm. is to inform educate and empower particularly people of color from marginalized communities and whose voices aren't being represented or represented in, in uh, mainstream media so it feels good to know that the work is still being done and yes we are making an impact absolutely now so um evan i'm gonna have to um i'm gonna i'm gonna switch a question over for you and ask you, what are you looking forward to for the next 10 years? But Alyssa, I want you to answer the previous question when he's done, okay? Okay. All right, go ahead, Evan. On a personal level or, like, in the country? Both. Well, on a personal level, like I said, I want to develop any creative endeavor that I've... Like, for me, a lot of things I've kept internally because I was like, oh, I got I to gotta focus on stability. I got to focus on, you know, paying the bills and I got to focus on, you know, being practical. And that's still true. Uh, but I hope to get paid for something creative and something I'd love to do. So that's one thing I want in the next 10 years for myself. Politically, I really hope that, of, of course, this country shifts more what we call to the political left, what I call just, you know, respecting humanity more, respecting civil rights more, social justice more. And I know the next 10 years won't solve all of that, but I hope people will be... Um, through some way, perspective, more open-minded, and we make significant uh, steps forward in those causes. Uh, and Alyssa, how, how has Let Your Voice Be Heard impacted you over the last 10 years? I mean, this show has had a, a huge impact on my life. For one, as Jackie said, I, I've met three lifelong friends. And actually, though, it's more than that. Even though I don't see Jason as often uh, as I used to, you know, I consider Jason to be a lifelong friend of mine as well. Uh, miss you, Jason. Um, and I, I, I really felt like it gave not just me, but all of us a platform to be able to speak to people in our age group about really important things that were going on in the world um, and, and going on in the country and in the world. I mean, we did shows, uh, um, especially back when we still had the two-hour slot, where we addressed things that were going on in countries like South Sudan that yeah. nobody here in America was really talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, about We talked about what was going on in Yemen. We talked about what was going on um, in our own country and all over the world, and especially addressing uh, marginalized people both here and abroad. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've really gotten to grow the show. And I can remember back when I first started in 2013 we didn't even have facebook live let alone any real viewership um and then when we finally (laughs) did 
have Facebook Live, we would sometimes have two or three people watching our show, and it would usually be like my mom and Jackie's mom. Um, and yeah. now, actually, I'm looking at our Facebook Live feed, and there is 20 people watching our show right now. Uh, so, and this show has given me a platform to be able to express uh, things that are politically important to me, um, and to talk to my, you know, colleagues and people my age. But it has also, um, as I said, given me lifelong friends, and I am grateful for every minute that I have spent on this show. So, you know, we do have to wrap this conversation up just real quick. Um, and folks, need to listen like 15 second sound by starting with Selena. Mm-hmm. Um, what needs to be done to ensure that the next 10 years are more progressive than the last? Yeah, so I think that we have to continue to vote. I think that the 2010s proved to be a decade of activism. We saw everything from Me Too to the March for Our Lives to Black Lives Matter. to I mean, every single year we were marching, we were in those streets, and we were making our voices be heard. We have to keep it up because, I mean, it's, it's what a time to be alive. Like, we still have a, a, a supreme white supremacist in the office, and if we don't continue to speak up and speak out now, then we see where the, the direction of this country she's going to go and stanley please when you close out we have to know what your thoughts about let your voice be heard are absolutely evan Uh, i agree with selena we definitely have to vote and i think especially in local elections that's important um whether it be for more progressive da's whether it be more progressive you know council people because there's so much on a local level that can be done uh for these communities and yeah i also hope that um we revisit cancel culture and because what we need to get more progressive is a bigger table and more people at the table. We need to add people to this movement, not keep it in a vacuum. Yeah. I agree with that. I would say that um, we need to see through the promises or the thing that we were fighting for when Occupy Wall Street started, um, continue to address income inequality, which has a huge, huge uh, impact on how we operate as a country. We need to honor the legacy of Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice and Eric Gardner and all the people of color that have been killed by the police in the past decade uh, through social justice and continuing that fight. Um, and yes, we need to vote, but people our age need to start taking the mantle and running for office themselves uh, um, so that we can realize the goals that we started fighting for at the beginning of the decade. So I'll keep this quick. For the next 10 years, we need to do what Let Your Voice Be Heard has done. What Sean um, Harris just said to us in the comments is like, just keep going. That's the best thing you can do. Keep, keep going. When Selena called me almost 10 years ago and was like, hey, Stanley, I want to bring back Let Your Voice Be Heard. I had no idea I'd be 33 years old, still doing this strong and still having these conversations. And this show has been a part of my political transformation. It's helped me improve as a person and given me some lifelong friends. And I'm happy and honored and humbled to be in this space to talk to you and be with these people. So what I want to do is I'm going to keep on going, keep on pushing the show, keep on pushing my friends and keep on pushing the movement. So for the next 10 years, let's change the world by keep on keeping on. And with that, guys, we will see you in 2019. Happy New Year. 2020. No, never. (laughs) 2020. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, guys. Have a good one.